Good morning. How are you this morning? Pretty good. Another warm day in, in Fort Worth, Texas. Guys, we're going to talk more today about stewardship. In our previous co- podcast, under the title of stewardship, we laid the groundwork or the ground foundation, you know, this the foundation work uh, to the segue that we're getting into today. We're going to talk about how stewardship and family. We kind of hinted on family on our last call, but we really want to kind of dig in and get to the meat potatoes of what exactly it means to be a good steward of our families. Many times, like we talked about in our last conversation, Andre, you know, many people, they immediately assume stewardship is finances or something to do with an organization, business-like type venture. But God, even in the Word of God, tells us about the virtuous woman. I know this almost sounds like I'm going on a side rabbit trail, but hang in there with me. He talks about how the virtuous woman, in her spare time, makes business to support her household and that she manages her household well. And because of that, she even brings in enough money to help feed her maidservants. So she, being a virtuous wife, supports the family in such a way to where she helps to bring income and supplement the money coming into her home to help support her, her husband, her children, and even those that help care for the family. If God is using that picture of a woman telling us that she's virtuous and that she is someone to watch after and to kind of come along and pattern our life in the same manner, would it not be even more important for us to remember that everything that we do in our family has high priority? That we are investing in the family unit. I mean, just before we jumped on the call, you and I were talking about your little girl and how she was talking to you about outer space mm. and how excited she got about that. What, what was that for you? What did you have to do to engage with your daughter? You know, at, at the age that uh, my daughter, my daughter's about to be 12, she's a, still in a real inquisitive state. And so... There's not too much I have to do to spark the conversation with my daughter. She she kind of she she's on that that trail of question after question after question, and she wants to know the answer. And uh, and what you're referring to is I'm talking to her about space, and she had questions about space, you know, the limitations of space, where it actually ends. And I wasn't able to give her an answer. I told her no one really knows. It's only God that knows. And you know, we basically got on, on a, a talk in regards to the creator. And what he's, if you think about it, everything that he's made, he's entrusted to us. He put us as the pinnacle of his creation. And it's the ultimate lesson in stewardship. That's what we're, we're talking about here. The ultimate, the ultimate in stewardship. And if, if we go the back that, and we, go ahead. The thing that stuck out to me about that, our conversation earlier is the fact that you invested in your daughter. And even if you weren't seeing it, even though 
science is not your area of interest. You know, it's not that area that you find absolutely fascinating to the point to where you'll just read on it for hours. Your little girl is asking you all these questions, and she's asking you, Daddy this, Daddy that, and you inconvenienced yourself from whatever it was that you were thinking about at the moment and said, you know what? It's time for me to engage my daughter and invest my time, my attention, and my energy into her. A lot of times what will happen is we'll get so frustrated with questions that we don't understand that sometimes we try to keep our kids from asking questions. And I've even caught myself and stopped myself and the same thing, my little girl started asking me questions about God. And some of her questions were tough, and they made me think. But I realized her asking me tough intellectual questions about God, where he came from, you know, why certain things happen in life, they're not bad. These are questions that our children will have regardless. And for them to ask us, is incredibly important, and we need to be diligent to invest into them. We need to be diligent into searching things out that are not even comfortable for ourselves so that we can invest in our children and in the legacy of our family. Just like you spent the time answering Jasmine, and even when you got to the point saying, hey, honey, I don't know. That's not something that Daddy is even able to fathom. I, I don't even know of a way that anyone can find the edge of space to tell you where it stops. But you invested into her and you engaged with her and you continued a dialogue with her through the afternoon. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. You know, what I'd like to do is, you know, touch a little bit about, you know, this idea that uh, God, what was his original intention when he made man? And we, we see stewardship as a theme throughout the Bible. And it's interesting that Jesus uses this parable, just to go back to the parable. And he, he basically, he shows that God is, he's the owner of all things. He's the maker of all things. And everything is his. So what he distributes to us is literally based off of the concept of stewardship. It's not ours, but we simply manage it. If we go back to the garden, we see that he places man in the garden. Man, of course, being man and woman. places them in the garden, and he tells them to tend to the garden, to manage it, to steward it. Right? And we see the same. He says, multiply, populate the earth, you know, subdue it, and we're to have dominion. Again, be a manager. And so with the idea, he's, he's always going to be checking in to see how what we're doing with the resources that he gave us. And so with our families, it, it's the same concept. We've been entrusted with this family that we have. We've been entrusted with the spouse that we have. We've been entrusted with the kids that we have. And, yes, we will be held accountable for how we, we treat our family. And one of the things that... Um, my wife and I are doing now is that, especially with my middle son, and you know, he's six going on seven, what we've decided is we're going to start to invest in, in preparation for the future. So it's not just the spiritual side of things, but also the practical side. 
and we're, we're getting books in his life. So we want him to be an avid reader. He's always going to have a book as a companion to get him prepared for that. Financially, how can we do that? What does that look like? Well, we want to open a bank account, but to have him make the deposits himself to teach the concepts of saving, uh, saving money and, and managing money correctly. So there's preparation that we need to do from a real practical standpoint. But there's also, we cannot neglect the spiritual side of things because really at the end of the day, that's the most important. How are we preparing them for eternity? Yeah, so there's the two-sided. There's the practical and then the spiritual. And, and what does that look like in us bringing those together and managing those both well? No, but you're right. It's a very practical thing. And you talked about stewardship and management. And that's one of the areas I think that is critical. But because a lot of times, and I'm going to step on all of our feet, my feet, your feet, probably anyone that listens to feet, unless they're extremely old school like my parents to where they didn't let you watch almost any TV. But I'm going to step on all of our feet for a second. We have to invest in our children. It's critical because we're managing them. We can't be like the ostrich that lays the egg and runs off. Yeah, the, the ostrich is not extinct, but what would the population be like if the ostrich's mother didn't just lay the egg and leave it there? You know, I can't help but think of a farmer. If a farmer went and planted a field, and then he said, you know what, guys, I'm going to lay you all off for the summer. Have a good time. We've already done the planting. Don't come back till harvest time. What would happen to his crop if he paid no attention the entire growing season to his fields? He didn't worry about watering them. Didn't worry about, you know, weeds and whatever else coming up. Further tilling between the rows. Yeah. Nothing. He didn't worry about any of it. What would happen? Is it any different than the farmer? That's it. Is it any different than the farmer that has like a herd of cow and they throw them out into a field and then just expect that those cows will miraculously make it without making sure that there's water or grass or hay for them to feed or to drink on? I mean, we have to pay attention to the well-being of our children. And unfortunately, in our day and age, all of us have fallen into this trap. But we had this babysitter that seems to be built into our houses, and then we think it's a good thing, but it's really a trap. It's called the TV. Now, the TV is okay in moderation, so I'm not preaching that TV is bad. So don't misquote or misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if we sit our children down in front of the TV continuously and say, you know what, that will teach them what they need to know, or I'm too busy to get involved right now, and we never take the time and invest one-on-one with our kids, we are not the ones influencing them. I want to jump in whoever right wrote, say something. Yeah, whoever wrote those TV shows, they're the ones influencing it. Go right ahead. That, that's so good. That's so good. Something came to me when you were saying that, and I think there's a lot here, but TV is to the mind what cotton candy is to the stomach. So TV is to the mind what cotton candy is to the stomach. So it's it's okay when you go to the fair and you have it on occasion, but you can't live off of it. And I think that it's so important that we make sure that our kids are reading. We're giving them the right books. 
and that's the influence. We're choosing, we're picking and choosing carefully the influence that they're receiving. Because there you go. as parents, as parents, it's our job to, they're not able to discern because that comes with maturity. So it's our job to give them what they need at this point. It's just like a, a baby. A baby can't pick what's, what's good and what's bad, or a toddler can't pick what's good and what's bad. He'll eat the lint off the ground if you don't watch him. He doesn't know that vegetables are good and, and, and this is bad. They simply just go after whatever. So it's our job to feed them the correct thing. And I think a, a book is so important. I told my son this this morning, and I said that your imagination is so much more powerful than that TV that's sitting on the wall. Now I want to jump in can, right here. You know, it's, absolutely. what you're saying is so critical. And I, but I think one of the areas where we've all kind of messed up at some point is a lot of kids will say, well, if you do X, Y, Z, Daddy, I'm not your friend. I remember when my daughter tried to pull that with me a long time ago, because my little girl is 14 years old now. But, I mean, when she was really little and was just learning to talk and really think on her own, she didn't like what Daddy told her one day. She goes, Daddy, you're not my friend. And I remember looking at her, and I told her, I said, Sweetheart, I have not been called nor have I been commissioned to be your friend. I have been given the job to be your father, which means I have to make decisions that aren't going to make you happy. And if that means that you and I are not friends, that's okay, because I love you, and I want to make sure that you're okay, even if you don't like the decision that I had to make to ensure your safety or to ensure that you're not exposed to something that's going to be harmful to you physically or mentally. And she didn't like that at first. But if you look at my little girl now, from you know, over the last many years, she is a daddy's girl. It did not affect the relationship, but I had to establish the line of authority that God had given me so that I could properly steward what God had given me. Because, see, if there's not a understanding of where the authority lies between you and your children, they will try to circumvent and overthrow every decision that you make at any opportunity they get. But we as parents must, and I'm not saying be a harsh dictator. That's not what I'm saying. Everything should be done in benevolence, in love, because we are commanded to love. Now, love does not mean do not discipline. Part of disciplining your children is an act of love, but it's done in a loving manner. Um, but what I'm saying, guys, is we have to establish where the authority is so that our children understand who you are and why you are operating the way you are. Guys, we never want to wrap up our calls without giving you the opportunity to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9-10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer after me. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you are saved and we are so excited and would love to hear from you. 
At the same time, the next step for you is to get involved and planted in a good Bible teaching church. This will help you grow and learn about the wonderful life God has for you. We would also like to invite each and every one of you to check out our ministry page. You can do this by going to mooseministriesinc.com. Here you'll find links to connect with us, read our blog, and keep track of our different projects as we take this adventure in spreading the gospel. God bless.